Okay, another episode of The Winter Show. (laughs) So here's the next parody song that we're going to do, but I don't have it ready today. Oh. But one day we'll do it. And that is the song Code Monkey, but with personalized lyrics. Okay. I love that. It's such a great song. It is a great song. I have heard it one time, but I very much like that one. Awesome. That's great to hear. Code monkey, get up, get coffee. Code monkey, go to job. Code monkey, have boring meeting with boring manager Rob. Yeah, I, I was thinking we should probably not do Jam Boy Man. Because I was thinking of all the like serious racial connotations. Not even connotations, just like explicit. We can cut all this out, it's fine. But definitely not a wise move. So that's smarter. For Code Monkey, you said personalize it? Yeah. Like write our own lyrics. Oh, you think it's already personalized? (laughs) We can just use it to really vent all of our frustrations about our jobs. Yeah. Rob say code monkey very diligent, but his output stink. His code not functional or elegant. What do code monkey think? We recently got Fritos, and I, after listening to that song, I can't stop thinking. Like I don't want to eat Fritos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just part of the machine. The yeah. Um. Fritos are a weird chip. Well, I, I never liked them in the first place, but now I actively like will seek out other food. Code monkey fake baby manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. Code monkey not saying out loud. Code monkey not crazy. Just proud. Code monkey likes Fritos. Code monkey likes Dallas Mountain Dew. Code monkey very simple man. This is the winter show. Is that we can't do air horns? What are we talking about today? So uh, today I spoke to a current Google employee that is an angel investor. Well. he is still working as a software engineer uh, and his choice of investment of whatever uh, money he makes is to invest in startups. Uh, earlier that day, Devin was telling a few, like doing a presentation to us on how to do personal finances. Who's and Devin? Devin, sorry, Devin is uh, someone I work with. Uh, he was, I mean, and everyone was discussing the various typical things people invest in as, uh, you know, most people would invest in like stocks or, uh, property or the various things. Uh, and then I jumped on a, I had a call with this angel investor and he, when I asked him why, why did he choose? And he said, Oh, not so much about the finances. He thinks of products like he thinks of ideas continuously of like what, would be a good idea and then he looks up if there are any implementations of the idea and if he finds an implementation he looks reads up on them and if they're relatively new he invests in them like how much are we talking Twenty thousand, thirty thousand, nothing crazy but it's more on the lines that this is what he does with his extra income is this a google engineer in california yeah I naively would have assumed that like a software engineer in Silicon Valley, like the average one, even if you're doing well at Google, wouldn't have that sort of outside income, especially like the cost of living there. How long has he been there? I think he's relatively in his relatively young, so early 30s. um, But technically we'd be able to do the same thing. I think, you know, you'd, if you think about at the end of the year, if you looked at how much you probably saved, uh, if that type of money you could just put into a startup instead, instead yeah. of putting into anything, other, other sort of thing, that's pretty much what he's doing. It seems though that, that investing in um, like such a high risk, high reward investment would 
really only benefit, not only benefit, but most likely benefit people with a lot of capital to, to diversify as much as possible. Because like odds are, it's not, he's not gonna, it's not gonna do well. Unless you're like an incredibly discerning investor, but it's hard to. So say if you're in your early thirties, late thirties, you're earning approximately 300 at Google. We made it. We made it five minutes before unpublishable. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's okay. We should keep going with the line of reasoning. Is alienated beyond like. <laughs> at Google, you're earning that type of money, though. At Google, yeah. In your early thirty days, you would be earning uh, around. Well, 300. you should do it by a number of years you've been working there. I feel like not age, but yeah, after ten years, including stock options and bonuses, yeah. So if he were to say his annual expenses on, you know, various stuff, if it was say in the range of fifty, sixty with rent, uh, and he puts a bunch of it into savings, he still has a, a good amount to potentially invest in high risk, high reward, without feeling like he's really taking a big risk. You know what sort of stuff he's invested in? No, but he called us up, which is an Just example. out of the blue? like. So he said he was looking into... He said within Google, he whenever he needed expertise or he wanted to get advice, there was actually... There wasn't a medium of finding other employees at Google with who he could connect with uh, on a certain like on a certain topic. Hmm. And so he was looking for, or he wanted to suggest, why don't we have a platform that somewhat connects people within the company? Yep. Brandon, you want to go tell them off? And while you're at it, could you ask for a <laughs> bottle of Absolute back? <laughs> I, I had never, on um, the topic of your company, this episode brought to you by Deep Bench. Um, I'd never heard the term Deep Bench ever in the wild until the Women's World Cup. And then I started hearing it like once a day. Like they have a really deep bench. Like, oh my god, that's my only insight to this. <laughs> it's it's it was just funny. I never heard it before. My manager at work uh, does the same thing, except not as investment, just as grants. Just to like donate money to interesting projects. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just like out of the goodness of his heart. Her heart. Her heart. Got you. I fucking oh, got you. This is like the sit down in the corner of shame <laughs> and like don't oh, talk shit. to the world until you've repented. <laughs> yes. Ooh, we caught him, guys. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're called like helium grants. I think she's, she she called it. Uh, micro grants ranging from a thousand to five thousand dollars. Um, and she did, yeah, she gave away forty thousand dollars, um, over two years in the last two years to just interesting projects that applied. I also know a guy who uh, invested in some startups. Uh, <laughs> he runs this bookmarking site, Pinboard. His name's Maciej Sagwaski. I don't know if I've ever mentioned him before. No. <laughs> Never? Tell me more. Yeah. Well, he's pretty cool. Anyways, uh, he invested in a bunch of companies with the uh, Pinboard Co-Prosperity Fund, I think it was called, where he invested $37 in companies. They had to apply and then if they were accepted, he would give them thirty-seven dollars. Mm. You say thirty-seven? Thirty-seven, yeah. Thirty-seven dollars. Thirty-seven U.S. dollars to a company. To a company, yeah. Why thirty-seven? Well, I can't remember the exact reason for that specific number, but basically, he was saying that most startups don't need like ridiculous amounts of starting capital, and he wanted to prove it by giving companies thirty-seven dollars and seeing if they could become profitable. With thirty-seven dollars of starting capital. 
I don't know if that is proving anything. Uh, that that could be. I think I think it's proving. Is something. it? Yeah. What? I mean, it's that you don't need huge amounts of capital to be successful. But surely most of their their capital is coming from elsewhere. But it's not like they're like, oh, thirty-seven dollars, manna from heaven. Yeah, exactly. It's that they probably don't need any at all, and that's like proving the point. And the reason why it exists is to like sort of like spotlight particular startups and then say, hey, look at this. No money, and then maybe they'll succeed. Mm. So, what types of companies does he invest in? You know, I actually this, I haven't looked at it in years. It was years ago, and I don't remember what the startups were. But I think some of them like were successful. But they were mostly you know single person side projects that became profitable enough that people could make a living off of them. How early do you think people start getting into stocks or like start investing? I think it depends on how soon. This is a great topic. I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, I feel like it really depends on how soon people are educated about how easy it is. Like it seems really scary and like a hard thing that you have to have a lot of money and a big income to do. And you just don't. You can do it with like $5 and just start small. And it's like somebody just like as a gradu- high school graduation present, somebody gave me a stock and set up a, a brokerage account for me, senior year of high school. And that was like all it took. And then I just started learning by just doing small trades. And I feel like most people just don't do that because they just don't know how easy it is. And like if your parents set up accounts for you or educate, if, you, if your parents invest a lot or and are super into it, then like my dad goes on all the time about like what he's investing in oh interesting okay and like the the safe markets huh okay so yeah i assume if you grow up in a household that's not at all like that then you're just not gonna right i that was me we i never heard about stocks Mm -hmm. and like that was never a topic of conversation so i feel like it once i realized how easy it was i was like oh wow why am i not why am i not doing this I think I have three very distinct memories of stocks and talking to my dad about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one time I, when I was really young, uh, my dad was on the computer like looking at stocks and then we were all going for lunch and I just saw these numbers on the computer. So I asked him what it was. And he tried to very quickly explain as he was like walking out of the room to go to lunch as we were like going to the dining table. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to I wanna, you know, buy stocks. And he says, okay, you, today, today we can go onto the computer and you can you choose something and we can we'll buy it and you can, it'll be yours. And he said, we'll buy a hundred of any one like small stock. You can buy a hundred of them and you can, it'll be yours. After lunch, so the whole lunch, I didn't, I like left the table like within two minutes to go to the computer and like read up on it. And by the end of lunch, he's like, okay, what do you want to get? And I was like, I, I couldn't make up my mind. So I never bought anything. That's the worst investment of all. Wow. I thought you were going to be like, and I invested in Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very rough. I think I was on, like in the order of like 10 or 11 years old. Um, okay. What would have been hot around then? Maybe you did a great thing not investing in 2005. Yeah. I mean, that that was a tough few years. Katrina. <laughs> that might not have affected you as I much as us. I but... Hurricane Katrina. I did really well. <laughs> yeah, big return. I shorted it. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> um, and then there was this, this second time uh, my friend told me that he was investing in a bunch of uh, renewable like uh, alternatives to gas and i came home and i was like and he's like you should he told me that i should invest in it and i was like i have no money he's like tell your dad to invest in it and i was like sure so i went home and i told my dad and he's like okay tell me more about it and i was like oh i i don't know he just told me you should invest in it so you should invest in it <laughs> and i mean he works he's worked in energy for like many like 25 years and he looks at me and he's and he was surprised that that's the extent to how much I w- was asking him to invest. And he told me that when he was young, he used to like read, like they used to get books, like really thick books of like 
news information like once a month used to come out or something and he's like read the entire like front to back and then if he liked something he would go to like some i'm not sure where he could get it but he'd get a full book on like a company's like finances and he'd like read it from front to end before investing on the order of like 100 rupees or 200 rupees when he was a kid and he was just very astounded by the fact that i did no research and suggested that he should just buy a stock because someone told me it's <laughs> I, you're also coming from a very different economic place than he was when he was a kid yeah, right definitely yeah um, but uh, those are uh, those were like examples of why I think I just never got into <laughs> you have your eyes on anything right now Stop. well Kenny suggested buying Netflix I got two shares of Netflix it did, it did it was going down for a few days I think it went up did it go up it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was after the twelve uh, percent drop. I think there's only one investment I made completely by myself, which was in Dogecoin. <laughs> That's like super how, good. How early were you? <laughs> I got it. So I bought thirty dollars worth uh, my freshman year. Okay. Wow. At my freshman summer, and I checked it every day. For the entire summer until it went down to one dollar like mm. from thirty dollars down to one dollar yeah uh but then when bitcoin was doing well i think it was at like 600 or something yeah so it did i mean i would I, it went literally from thirty dollars by the end of that summer my freshman summer it went down to one dollar and i was like i put so much over. I, I would stare at it while at work just keep it on like put my phone up there and just be like staring at it and go up and down and it was thirty dollars that I put at the start of summer, and I was just like, "This could be a dog figure." <laughs> I was so hoping it would go away. So, but you sold it at a dollar. Um, no, I've well, transferred why even it. Take the dollar. Sorry. Why even take the dollar at that point? No, no, I, I didn't sell it. I didn't sell it. Oh, oh, oh. So I did get the six. I did, oh, you did. Oh, okay. yeah. And yeah. Um, but the the place that sold it, I, so a lot of cryptocurrency exchanges shut down like or only like they were like or somewhat consolidated some of the cryptocurrencies so that one got switched over and i had to sell my dogecoin at like but i sold it when it was like 250 dollars okay um so it went up to 600 and i thought okay now i might as well just leave it here at this point and then it went down wow. not sure where it is now it is in some account but a different coin i had to like switch it to a different coin when switching to a thing i'm, I'm looking at the the all-time arc for or the the trending for Dogecoin and it like it has this severe spike oh, wow. and then just back down yeah. so if, if you nailed that that yeah. wave but it's hard to do that's down there yeah at, at its peak it was worth about 0.01 dollars yeah but um with the little experience in coins that I have with, with whatever Bitcoin I have, it can be a bit um, entrancing just like looking at at how it's trading on a hourly basis. People set up like alerts for like, tell me if it changes 5% um, or less. It can be a bit uh, unhealthy. Yeah. And the fact that it's always on, mm -hmm. unlike stocks where there's a very narrow window where yeah. it can change. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy the adrenaline of it. And I think it, that is something I've actively, well, at least trading on something, like a quick trading is something I know I will get addicted to. Mm -hmm. So I actively avoid it. It's, a, it's like a very small version of, or not necessarily small, but a version of buying a lottery ticket and like the the fixation that you do on like, what am I going to buy? And like, like to, to some weird extent, you have, you have won a little bit in your mind and you're just like in a, in a headspace that you don't find when you don't have the lottery ticket in your pocket. Have you, have I you gone through this? Only, only when it goes to like a billion or whatever, I buy a lottery ticket. And then, yeah, you start doing that. And, and even though you know how inconceivable your chances are, you're like, who am I going to tell? I'm not going to tell anyone because like, I just don't want people coming up to me right. and I don't want things to change. You know, I just want to be like the same old Brandon. Oh, I said my name. 
now they know my name. We'll, um, we'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out. <laughs> um, it also seems like you've made a billion I'll, dollars. I haven't told anybody. <laughs> um, I'll tell my parents because they, they want to be proud of me. Good investment, good son. Yeah. <laughs> so you haven't heard about our lottery ticket buying. We all won the lottery. You're the only non-billionaire. I was wondering why we had that helipad. <laughs> we, one day I was going down to get uh, food and someone in the elevator, someone actually spoke to me in this building. <laughs> and he's like, are you going to buy a lottery ticket as well? Is this when it was like spiking? Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was like 600 okay. million. Um, and I said no. And then, as as I we got back, we got back at the same time. For, like I went to the restaurant uh, to McDonald's. He went to get his lottery ticket, and we walked back. And he was just really excited holding his ticket because he's like six hundred million. So I came back, and I was slowly walking, and I thought it'd be really annoying if he won, and I had the <laughs> like. I don't know. It just felt like there was now you had to go buy it. So I mentioned, it and all of us went and bought it, and then we bought it. And then it, nobody wanted that week. Three days later, it was going there, so we bought it again. We gave and them again, a lot of money. Yeah, we 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 bought like it. Four, total. I think we spent probably like the first time we spent thirty ten dollars each. I mean, I actually I always keep the uh, the lottery ticket right here in my pocket, <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case. Wow. Yeah, uh, these are actually these are the coordinates, GPS coordinates to the barrels of money. Wow. Yeah, and then I always, I keep that one, and then. You have to keep the second one. Of course, you have to have the second I got one. It. You have to. I have my first one. And then I have the third one here, too, just in case <laughs> you need it, because you just have to have that one. And then I do have this one, too, just in case. I mean, you have to have it. It's crazy. Why would you not have this one? And then, I mean, you really just, you always have to have some, oh, thanks, some fifth one around. And then I think I have this one, too. Yeah, just in case. For the viewers at home, Kenny... Is, is pulling lottery tickets out of all of his articles of clothing. And he's naked now. He's, he's going to start pulling them out of a chain out of his mouth like <laughs> handkerchiefs. Kenny's clothes are actually made out of lottery tickets. <laughs> That's an example where I really chose the wrong medium for this joke. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty visual. But it's the only medium I have for this. Um, I think that's, I hope that's all. But, but there were oh, many there conversations. More. <laughs> so how many total? Seven? I think like there are eight here. Here. And we all bought the same number, so we bought 24 tickets, basically. Okay. That's a lot of money. But not as much as $600 million. That, that's right. We have stashed. So we can keep buying them until we hit $600 million. Yeah. Oh, we split it with Harsh, you didn't know? Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was me bringing my glasses, wasn't it? That did it. Um... <laughs> We did have I I've had I had a few conversations about what we would do with the money mm-hmm. when we won. What would you do? It's a whole half hour long conversation. Oh, if you know? only we had a format for such a <laughs> perfect length of conversation. What would you do with that money? Well, I'd. The main thing would be I and my family would not have to work for a living. I mean, we would still like do things because we're not bums, but we would like never have to worry about money, which is the main convenience. Um, I'd give a lot. I don't know what a lot is in this context because it's all a lot, but I'd give a lot to charity. I would. Oh, what a what a nice thing to say. I don't um, think I would give any to charity. You don't think you'd give any to charity? No. Why? Because I think I could come up with better things to do with it. That would, yeah. Well, what, what do you mean better? I think I could come up with better things to do with it. Better for you? Better for better the world. That's the, um, what's that movement called? The effective altruism? Effective altruism. Man, fuck those people. Yeah, why? <laughs> Let's get into effective altruism. I, I don't know enough to be able to similarly say fuck you. It's, it's strange how such a noble cause can attract so many shitty people. <laughs> so you're not saying fuck you to the cause, you're saying fuck you to the sort of people that I think that I'm it also attracts. saying fuck you to the cause. Why? 
don't know. Uh, it's a it's tricky business, and it leads to like. Hmm. I don't know. When you're when you're hyper rational, you get like surprisingly like like inhuman, like coldly rational. And a lot of the things that they like conclude and end up like recommending really put me off for how detached from reality they seem. Okay. But is it is not like the the main principle, basically what you just described over there by saying you think you could do better with the money in your own way, better for the world than the conventional, like mm, the charity. Route. Sure. But my procedure for like selecting what those are, isn't something that's going to be like backed by a lot of equation, a lot of like equations for like, uh, you know, estimating or, you know, numerically quantifying like value or goodness in the world but you have to to some degree even if you're not being as like hyper quantitative as i as they're i assume being you're you're placing some value in something to, to be able to do some calculation to figure out what what's right so maybe they're going too far with it or maybe they're doing their calculations in a way that you disagree with but it seems like the main principles are sound. What do you think? Oh, the main I, I guess I need, are? I need I need some examples from you of, of like what you think is going awry. Hmm. So uh, my my go to example when talking about it isn't quite valid because this issue sort of like is a big argument within the effective altruism community. Um, which is whether to worry about AI safety or not. Because according to some people's numbers, according to some people's models, we should actually not be spending any money on helping anyone in the world right now. We should be spending all of our money on the thing that has the chance to kill us all, mm -hmm. no matter how small of a chance that is. Mm -hmm. And if you like adopt this, yeah, if you adopt a very hyper-rational mindset, things like that will always show up whether they're that extreme or not where they seem to diverge where the numbers like seem to diverge from like human intuitions about what actually is good and i don't think it's actually right to ignore that i, th I think the main thing about it that it highlights that i appreciate is that our intuitions for what's right can be wrong mm. i think they tend to be right <laughs> I do too. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, I like the the fun. I heard this in some podcast, but some uh, thought experiment of like, and it's kind of an absurd example of um, if there's a house on fire and there's a kid and there's a Picasso and you can save one, you should, like it, you can imagine a world in which saving the Picasso, you could sell it and then use that money to like buy a bunch of bed nets for kids in Africa and save like thousands of kids in Africa. And so you should utilitarianly save the Picasso, but then like a kid screaming in your face to save them. And you probably do that. Yeah. And if you didn't, you'd be a sociopath. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then you have to calculate like everything you're constantly doing in your life all the time. That's that the already is like of not that saving is the kid. already killing hundreds of kids in yeah, Africa. Yeah. And like, it's not actually a, like, viable worldview to adopt to its like logical extent or its logical extreme so anyways yeah i wouldn't give it to charity I so wouldn't. what would you do i don't know uh would you would you all um no i'm gonna let you talk if you want to or not i think i would fund research any particular field no, not particular fields. I would not invest. I would give grant. When it um, <clears throat> just going back to effective altruism for the I I don't in 
also on another podcast uh, where I heard when they were describing it or like somewhat defining it to uh, the mass, what effective altruism is, uh, they were able to somewhat say that there is a distinction between those that f- feel a lot more, uh, I mean, visuals basically, or some sort of closure to some any need uh, invokes a res- like a desire to help more than some other like maybe potentially larger needs or cries for help uh, and simply just closure to it so someone who <clears throat> is homeless close like in downstairs might make you feel more likely to help out than probably people in Africa um, they said it or at least one of the studies that were being was being discussed was that it actually has to do with uh, people having different or different a different structure in the brain, uh, like like based on which parts of your brain are slightly larger or not. People have are more likely to be more rational with their altruism, and other people might be more emotionally affected with their altruism. And uh, I think the what, what I didn't the only thing I didn't like about it was that the people who were somewhat enforcing effective altruism or you know talking about it or were somewhat pushing an idea that if you're doing charity you should do it the right way. Yeah. Whereas I think if people i mean if the intention is the same on both sides regardless of one is less less uh efficient if it's somewhat fulfilling to someone that's probably the best way to continue it being a thing because if someone were to let's say switch to let's say they prefer being super altruistic in one way and they switch to being a more efficient altruist they might not they might not get the same fulfillment out of it and then leave out of it um and i never Never associated as a like a inborn thing, uh, simply because I used to. There's this one fight I had with my English teacher in high school where she used to make blankets, like she used to knit blankets for uh, for homeless children, for orphans, and um, I would get very annoyed because in Dubai, uh, someone of her caliber could earn in the order of you know uh, 150 dollars an hour uh, for tutoring. And I kept on arguing with her that you are wasting your time knitting. Stop knitting for like, and she kept on explaining that she, she's trying to help, like these kids are cold. And I was like, if you're trying to keep them warm, this is not going to keep them warm. There's so many ways that yeah, we are way more I, efficient. That's, so, that's a very valid thing to, to say. Well, I don't. Well, why? I think she's right to knit. Why? Because that's what she wants to do. Right? Yeah. That's, okay. But then, it, then it's more about her and not about it's that. It's always about you. It's yes. about your values about wanting to give to charity in the first place. You yeah. Can't help but it be about you. Yeah. No. That. Yes. But if if I'm trying to maximize the good I do for some population, then I I should there also. Are, there are people who are do who do switch because they're actually misinformed like they think they're doing the most efficient yeah thing. yeah yeah and yeah. so when and, so and i'm all for that in, in, in a way as far as it goes to like try to quantitatively evaluate which charities are doing the most relative good for people who want to buy into that i'm really into it because a lot of charities are in right etc etc and, et cetera. and we should know what they're like like more knowledge is strictly good so in a way i think that that at least that podcast or like any sort of attempts if they're seen as attempts to simply inform uh people or like at least encourage people to question their choices in charity or why they're doing the things they're doing yeah and to that extent i think it is good however there are times that that same those same set of people uh talk about effective altruism as a way of somewhat stroking their dick and saying that i do charity better than you do and i deserve to be applauded for it yeah, but there, the, will, there if, will always be a more effective, effective way to do altruism. But if you, if, if for the blanket example, if you were to ask her 
what her goal was. And she'd probably tell you something along the lines of creating the most warm no, environment for not. children. I would put so much money against it. If you were to ask her what her goal is, she would say, I want these children not to be cold at night. Yeah. That's ba- that, that is, that's the opposite of what you're saying. What was, what do you think I was saying? Make the most good. No, I was saying make the, the environment warmest for children. I was saying, environment it was for a, these children. Yes. She wants to do exactly what she wants to what warm as many doing. children as possible. That's not true. She wants to do exactly what she's doing. I, I don't, well, I think there, there was a disconnect in what she was, her, what she was saying her intention was and what a part of the intention was. I think her focus was that she was focusing on keeping as many children warm. Whereas really what she was trying to say was while she was keeping them warm, this is like, and I think when pressed, she explained it better was that she liked she realized how much the children appreciated a, a personally knitted blanket. Mm, yeah. But that's not how she first explains it. She doesn't explain it as... Okay, sure. People are bad at explaining why right. they and really I, do things. And I think that's kind of where the disconnect was, but which is... Yeah, yeah. And right. I think that probably is a big disconnect in generally when yeah. people communicate. And like or, that's something to like keep in mind when you're talking to people and trying to tell them that they should do something other than right. what they're doing. In, to like, find in out what the reason that they're doing. Right. Actually is even that's regardless true. of what they say that it is. That's fair. But if that, but if, if her, like if the blankets heartfelt connection to the kid was the only thing keeping her going and the only thing that truly inspired her to do the good deed, then I would get why it's a reasonable thing to do because her working the equivalent number of hours and then giving that money to buy more blankets, she wouldn't have done that thing because she, she needed this, this anchor into the, the altruism. But if, if her, but if she were to tell you, and I don't know what her real life intention was, but if this was a hypothetical woman who was going, would have told you that her goal is to maximize children warmth, then if it didn't, if she was still doing that, given that that goal, I would think that's foolish. The a thing I usually like someone, and this is a far comparison, but it's on the lines of technically, if you had to get someone a gift, you, the most uh, most oh yeah efficient or you know thing to give them would be money because you get the money and they would use it as they see fit. But let's say I think you'd really enjoy something, but you would never spend money on it. I might go out and buy it for you because I think you'd enjoy it. And I want you to experience that and know that you wouldn't experience it for yourself if you were, if you were given the choice to. So I'm making that decision for you. And I think it's on the same lines in which she recognizes that a child would be happy with getting a blanket. I mean, let's say if you think, take a single child, you know, the child might, uh, yes, might say, I want a blanket. Doesn't matter. But when he gets a nicer blanket, it is in that moment, he'll probably feel a lot better. And yeah, that's something but, that but she, you, but you, you, you're still not calculating. And I know this is gross language of calculation, but it's real. You, the, like, let's just say the, the four hours, I have no idea how long it takes to knit a blanket. The five hours of knitting would have earned her in her working life, however many hundreds of dollars and the, the dozens of blankets that would have bought, you now have to calculate in all the, the dozens of kids who aren't getting blankets versus the one who is. So like, is, is the, the joy of the heartfelt blanket outweighing the dozens of kids without the blankets? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, that's a decision for someone, some people to make. I think it's on the same lines of let's, I, 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 I give you so many examples. Like, a mother saying that I, I, should I w- do a job and not, like, you know, nurture my child? Because that means I can, you know, pay, for, they'll have a better or easier time paying for college. You know, we can, me and, you know, if I work, I help my child in their future loans. But now, or I can choose to nurture them now. And that's like, those are like decisions that they might, it's just what someone values more. Like, someone might say, someone might consider giving a blanket to 12 children a lot more than giving a nice blanket to one person more, or they recognize that by giving a really nice blanket or like a very personal blanket, personalized blanket to one person is 
the amount that it makes them happier or like it improves their like it improves their happiness is sufficient to then or equally uh good as giving everyone a shitty blanket a good just a, i think the a metric over here could be she values the happiness given to that child as equivalent to the warmth for 12 children okay there let me just point out even like more nuance to this which like further highlights my problem with effective altruism which is that when you try to quantitatively measure things you always have this like end up with this like very like rough ragged like merciless like approximation for the thing and the real world sort of like beneath that approximation uh might have all sorts of things that are like not captured by like the metric that you're using to quantify it so for example in the blanket instance it might totally turn out that by some even by some other quantitative measure the net good that's done by a individual in a community knitting personal blankets and directly giving these blankets to like specific people ends up doing more good than a sort of like i don't know just like buying blankets and then like distributing like you know the things that you get off amazon to whatever because it like gives the children like connection and humanity and hope and the sort of like maintains the social fabric around the environment and shapes their like mindset and world view in a positive way that maybe will end up being like the difference between life and death for them in the future and is just impossible to capture but those are the sort of things that inform our human intuition and when we say that our human intuition is flawed it's often in ways like those where they're tapping into like these like not i guess like not externalities but these like extended senses of awareness that like we intuitively appreciate that you cannot quantify I also, I, mean, I think, I'm not sure. Like, as soon as you started saying this, this trick, okay. I, I'm so glad you brought up Christmas gifts because it's the exact same thing. Yeah, if we were robots, we wouldn't have it at all because like money just changes hands and probably everyone receives on average the value of gifts that they give everyone else. So we should cancel the whole deal, right? I don't, that's, that seems totally different from the, the donating to needy children case because there's no exchange. It's just, it's unilateral. But also the, 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 when you're deciding a Christmas gift, you're conveying so much about your relationship in a way that, that really exactly. has nothing to do. Wait, in, in I, the, I mean, this woman is like having a relationship with the kids in yeah. a way that donating to charity is denying the kids a relationship that they might otherwise right. have. Like she's going and giving this blanket to uh, kids individually, yeah. which I think is somewhat. I mean, if I were a homeless kid and I wasn't even cold, I would appreciate that. Right. I would I would crave that. I I wonder. You were saying. I was, I was just saying. It, I guess it really depends how dire the situation is. Partially because, like, if if having a blanket or not having a blanket is is what is life or death for a kid in Africa, then like fuck the relationship being formed. Like you just need a, need to give a blanket. But if it's like if if we're not dealing with something that dire that in the moment then then you can do all this stuff but i think if if anything this all is an argument both what i just said and what you just said joel is an argument for like adding to the calculation as opposed to as opposed to just going off of gut intuition yeah like if you can try to capture what you've just described in the calculation i don't think you can though i guess that's sort of my point is that like every calculation that everyone has ever come up with is severely like like dramatically lacking in a lot of these ways it'll always as someone who's surveyed all calculations ever of course not but <laughs> that's like uh... yeah it'll it'll always be lacking what am i trying to say i wonder if a lot of times people convert their their ways of helping to step to mainstream metrics so say her way of again i don't i didn't trust her that much for that uh, but say she or say any person uh, has one way of 
what they want to do or how they see you know a person that could be helped in a lot of ways you know they can be helped and given food they can be given you know uh, warmth they could be uh, given love uh, attention education uh, and so they might be they some people might prefer providing a lot of resources in bulk to a large number of people or some people might provide a lot of resources to a single person but you know someone give them a like an actual ticket out of their situation not somewhat prolonging by like giving almost band-aids uh, to patch up the situation rather saying i'd rather take one child and give them an education food love attention and all these things to take them out of it uh and in a way i think through the method she was doing had somewhat of a more whole whole impact because yeah. it was personalized and it was you know providing warmth and it was providing attention and it was giving it was personalized uh, compared to a different sort of provision which would be only uh, attending one of their needs but to a larger amount and i think when explaining that to other people in typical it's harder to explain that sort of that sort of yeah. mentality because that's when as soon as you say i'm giving a lot to this one person someone's like that's not effective altruism that's not that's not utilitarian like mm-hmm. utilitarianism that's very like shitty because you're, you're only you're doing something that isn't actually for the benefit of society you're doing something as benefit of one person and that doesn't make it okay or again by the definition of effective altruism to some extent i'm not i need to flush out that thought better an argument for the other side though is there was some natural disaster this happened i think this was like the hurricane maria or something and they people kept sending clothes for the people who were affected because they thought that they were necessary and the at some point i think that the red cross or whatever organization was dealing with it had to like send out an announcement that they're like please stop sending clothes we get that you guys are well intended but this is not what we need right now and these clothes are languishing in some giant pile that we just have to deal with now um and all, this can happen in a lot of domains and in a lot of things that aren't clothes but it's just it's an example of you sort of are well intended and want to genuinely want to help but not thinking about the outcomes and so just putting your goodwill in some bin to be delivered to some far off land and then just like oh, okay right. i did my part I, i think that middle ground i think what you're describing is a middle ground between like the like very personal giving a kid a blanket that you knitted or whatever uh and the like hyper rational i think the middle ground is maybe the worst and that like when you do things i guess like irrationally they should be like as like close to you or personal to you or like as like familiar to you or as like do the things that you're like most confident in as close to you as you can and that those are the ones to trust things that you really do have an intuition about uh to the first one just i don't i'm not an argument to the other side i th- i think i agree with both sides very heavily i think both of them are completely valid and i definitely know i lie on one end of that ex- that extent uh, not the certain aspect of things uh even though comparatively i think to a lot of people i i i mean it's a spectrum um i just, i think the whole i think i'm not sure that's what you were trying to get at but i think the aggression towards the people of the effective altruism is that they're somewhat looking down on people who treat charity in a different way as if you're not doing charity right and that's kind of what i'm not was was that what you were getting at before no not at all okay <laughs> I, that's also like that is coincidentally true i think but <laughs> it, that's actually that's 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 i you're trying, uh, i would uh, i would never even like bring that up in a discussion about it because it's like not relevant to the cause when talking about it like that that's a problem with those people right okay no um yeah but uh to your second point i definitely again i think sometimes i it's kind of uh my passion aggression towards and i i i my passive aggressiveness towards uh things like statuses even though to some extent i participate in that as well but some sort of meager effort or 
that is, you know, somewhat, I did my part. I think there, there become a lot of now new ways of doing your part. You know, the Facebook charity on your birthday kind of thing. I, and I know that's an example of, I think it's well intended. Yeah. But I, I, I heavily doubt those causes are usually, you know, efficient if that's, I mean, because it's, it's something that's definitely not as personal, personal because it's not something where you're going and donating that type of charity. Uh, so I find that A, it's not even personal, but B, it's, it's an easier if someone's saying, Hey, I know a lot of you want to give me something or are likely to, you know, want to, uh, import with some sort of your things for my benefit. Uh, and I'm willing to like divert those resources to other people who need it more than me. So that it is well intended. Yeah. I agree. And I want, but I wonder how much it somewhat pushes people to think that they've, they're now a benevolent oh. aspect to society and they've done like, no, now they don't, they're not, they've done their part and now they don't yeah. need to contribute anymore. Like they fulfilled their quota for like how much they're going to help the Do. world this year. And right. not, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I don't think it works like that. Yeah. I, I, my, my new strategy is just to agree with everyone. Um, agree with everyone? Disagree. With disagree. Everyone. I, drunk. <laughs> Um, Welcome. <laughs> wait, people, I don't think people work like that at all. I think it's great that Facebook does things like that because it makes people donate who would otherwise not donate. And I don't think it's the case that if they didn't do that, they would lie around feeling guilty and ultimately do something, and ultimately do something better with the money. Well, isn't there a chance that I like I, people are like zero sum like this, where like then they feel good so that they don't do something else? Absolutely not. I think a little, they do something rather than nothing. That's great. Yeah. Okay, On the note of you being close, like uh, close to things, you're close to the fridge. Can you grab the cranberry juice? <laughs> cranberry juice. Sure. I do think there's a chance, though, that absent some like Facebook scheme that convinces them to donate ten dollars, there there's a higher chance that the like the really empathic part of their mind after going a year without, you know, donating or helping or, or donating their time at some local charity, like kind of taps them in the, on the side of the head and is like, okay, you haven't done anything in a while. Why don't you do something? And now it's easy to refer to like, no, I, I, I did give $10 uh, on Facebook. Okay. Last but year. what would they, what would they do when that thing taps them on the head? Would it be would it be better than whatever causes are? I don't know, but the tap would be there, so they could they could. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I can't guarantee the tap would be yeah, there, but I don't know. It's more I, yeah, I I agree that's like plausible, but in my just like estimation of things, it's just heavily tilted to one side, which is that they wouldn't have. Yeah, or the time to like build up the tap would be like way longer. I don't know. I think it's the convenience the aspect that I that someone makes is is a problem. What it should be hard to donate. Uh. So, uh, again, for analogy over here, but uh, I think my f freshman year uh, of college, people sent a lot of emails. Like, it was very common to send, like, for an event, you send an email to uh, a community, uh, and it's an email that's well thought out, or, like, you know, you spend a lot of time on and you, like, write this email. Uh, I think when your year came in, that's when, like, stuff like GroupMe became a lot more prevalent, and it was a means of like anything that typically we used to use, used to get an email would be like a t by the way event happening here through a group me message and that whole like world of emails somewhat slowly faded away for the uh, record nickel is one year older than me <laughs> it, it wasn't it, i mean it, i'm sure before it was even more but it was like it definitely faded out i mean i can show like my freshman year there was a lot of emails and then I think the emails that I got in my sophomore, junior, and senior year put together did not, were not, uh, did not amount to the emails that were there in my freshman year. Um, would you not say, I'm not sure. No, I'm jumping it. in for my only contribution to this entire topic, which is yes, that's bizarrely true. Like, there were so many emails freshman year. And then I feel like Slack and, and Facebook and all and, of them right, all the took it down. Messages, like, yeah. just, and there were such well written emails. Like, they would be emails that you'd spend time like you'd be excited to read like you'd like sit down and be excited to read like oh this person sent an email this is going to be a good email to read whereas all those emails suddenly became broken down to a quick message by the way party happening tonight and you're like, i need help tying this back to the yeah the, i never like the parties i think 
it's it's on the same lines of that sort of because now you have these convenient ways of doing things people don't necessarily like do like like spend a lot of time in actually thinking why they like why they're doing something or putting a lot of effort into the things that they're doing I as don't much. think that those people wouldn't do that at all but people would go to parties because people want to go to parties for sure that would happen but people would not otherwise don't but I'm saying the, the, like there that's, were that's absurd but there were people uh, I think that a lot of people I uh, sorry I had to say I think I also to some extent know that in high school I did a lot more charity work and I've not done enough because right now at least in college there's so many I've done like it's so easy for me to just like donate money through like uh, online means like donate money yeah yeah to a bunch of places but my the problem is I used to do actually do things more and now because like in your community community or like no I saw like a very like it's, we had a lot we organized a bunch of events you know and school for like things like causes various causes we cared about and we take an active effort into it and now because of other constraints of like time I tend and because I, it's easy for me to say I can just do this and do my part then I don't feel the need to do it if I didn't have a means of just like going online and donating money to various causes then I think I would take an active part I would yeah. I'm not sure well, yeah. I feel like I would have taken I, I an active really part I really want studies on this because I think that's like the extreme minority I I also think if it wasn't if, if only it wasn't so easy to donate money I would do more <laughs> I also think when when you were young that that was really your only value to add was your time because you like presumably didn't have that much money because you were just a kid and a high schooler but now you're you're donating money conveniently which is like it feel it takes less effort, but if you abstract the amount of money you're donating to like time spent at work, you could you could still kind of abstractly think of it as effortful, um, even though it's more remote and you're not actually interacting with the people you're helping. But even at the time, if I if I wanted to, like, I think I. I'm not sure how much my time was worth. It probably was worth nothing. But if I let's say I spent all the time I worked on like charitable causes and put my time into some sort of you know job where I could earn money and you know donate, I want. I probably would I have done that and, and what I'm doing it now to some extent or to a large extent. Uh, but I think like I I think I like being able to like. Or I feel like I constantly want to contribute to some sort of cause. Uh, like I have the, the causes I care about, I want to like contribute to those in some ways. And when there are easier ways, then I don't. I feel like I'm doing my part. But if I didn't, I feel like I'm. I'm not sure. I if I didn't have these means of giving them, I think I would take it a slightly more active part because I would feel this void or this void within that I would want to like fulfill. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Different people? To me, I, I, sounds like a new topic. Oh, well, I, this sounds. We've come to an impasse. It sounds to me, this, if anything, what you said feels more like an argument for the more like utilitarian remote side oh, I, for again, altruism. I'm not, I'm not arguing either way. I think no, both I, I are just, completely okay. My interpretation of what you've just said leads me, veers me more toward the utilitarian side because the, I, I guess my main thesis is that um, the, like the dopamine is playing a trick on us and making us think that like the the really intimate face to face interaction is always going to be the is always going to do the best, most good because it feels like it's doing the most good because I can really I, see. No, I don't I, think that's I, right. I don't think dopamine is playing a trick on you. I think dopamine like evolved in conjunction with humans in society to give an accurately good signal about whether you're generally doing something good or not. There's I think a that's accurate. That no, exists, I think that's, and I think that's accurate. But when if, it diverges but, from like what your metrics tell you, that should really actually tell you. Maybe, something. but it also can, it can blind you to the, like the, if I spend an hour really with some poor kid, like cherishing my time, that's absolutely great. And your dopamine will tell you that that's great. And I'm, I think if you want to do that, you should absolutely do that. I'm, I'm not dissuading anyone from spending valuable time doing valuable things. I just, I'm just saying if, if in you, if written in your mission statement in life is giving the most blankets to the most kids to warm the most kids yeah. and your dopamine signals are blinding you to that yeah. mission of yours, you, it's just, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would take like this a little stronger position and say that's a bad mission to have. And people who say the words that that's their mission are sort of like, I don't know, not lying, or, but like deceiving themselves or like, uh, why is that a really bad mission? I understand that. Again, it depends on the like, direness of the situation, but if, if yeah, or mosquito nets, which like are this very yeah, innocuous thing like, that do a, a crazy amount of good. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it just like blares like, I don't know. It just, it just, it smells really bad all over it. That's your intuition. Yeah, it is. But you're trusting your intuition so heavily. Yeah, I am. This is an impasse, I think. You have more trust in your intuition than I do. <clears throat> that would make sense, but I think you should have more trust in your intuition than you currently have right now. I, I think... I, what your dopamine is alerting you to is, and I don't know the neuroscience, so maybe it's not dopamine, blah, 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 but it's signaling the quality of good, but it's not signaling Whoa. the like integral of, I mean, who's to say what it's signaling? Like it I'm happens. speculating like the, the, like the mechanics of it. Like I'm not going occur. to, I'm at a very visceral level. I'm not going to feel that good about clicking send on a thousand dollar donation to the red cross, yeah. but yeah. Like spending, but it's a pacifier. Time. I think I, I that button is a pacifier that somewhat makes you feel you've done something for the next it, month. I do think it makes you feel good, and but what I'm saying is that that click might have actually genuinely done a great amount of good, but you're it's it, you won't feel the same way and the same kind of amount of um, altruistic ecstasy that you will like spending an hour with a kid because your brain is signaling like the depth and quality of an interaction and, and amount of good, which is if this interaction with this kid is very high quality and very, I'm doing how, a lot of good. How are you going to compare those two? Loosely and poorly, but you, you need to. No, I don't think you do. I do. I don't think you do. Why do you need to compare them? Because what if while I'm sitting at this diner with this kid, there are like a thousand kids in the village over who are getting bitten by mosquitoes and dying of malaria. Like it, it doesn't feel like that's a depressing thing, but what would you say? Do what your heart tells you. Then, then my mission cannot be to maximize lives. I agree. Then that's, that's a silly mission, but but, you should should be Genghis Khan and have sex all the time. (laughs) That's not, you know what, you know what I'm saying? I think not even what, what, what to maximize lives to, to do you want people to stop dying. How many people to stop dying? How long do you want the lifespan to be? I don't think you need to have answers to all these questions to want to be able to, to help I, sick people. If, if you, if you want to call yourself rash, yourself rational and you want to do like, and you like set out to do that and you have that as a value is sort of like a value that obliges you to take it to as like an extreme extent. You cannot As demand either purely qualitative metrics or purely extremely quali- quantitative metrics. That's absurd. Let me think. I think everything is a qualitative metric. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hmm. And I agree in the, in the sense that you are never going to achieve the calculation properly and fully because it's impossible. I totally get that. But if you're if you're trying to save the most lives and ignoring the kids in the village over, you're Yeah, I'm really not trying to save the most lives. But I think most people are. I don't think so. I I think most people are Wait, people donate to all kinds of charities yeah. that aren't about saving lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I'm I i do not want to sidetrack on that point, because I don't think that's the point. Yeah. I think my point is that the is that people donate to causes that they care about that are important to them. That people they, donate that to Wikipedia. People are donating to causes that they think are doing the good that they want. And perhaps equivalently spending the time doing those things as yeah. opposed to spending money. Yeah. But if, if, if you delude yourself into thinking that the thing that feels best is the thing that does best, you're wrong mm. a large amount of the time. I don't know. I, I think only you can say what's best. 
you can crudely compare the effects of your actions to those of your mission statement. I don't think, oh, I don't think people have mission statements. Well, they have reasons they do things. No, they don't. There's no free will, I know. No, 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 but actually, like, like, I, that really just is not how people are. Like, they don't have mission statements, and then, like, internally, I don't know. They have, like, they have heuristics for acting in the world or something, I don't know. Uh, like, one, are they ever going to achieve their mission statement? Then what? I, but a reasonable thing to want in, in going into some third world country is decreasing sickness, increasing lives through means other than fucking the population. Um, and <laughs> Genghis Khan style. Um, and I feel like I've, I've stated my thesis. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I. I can, I'm currently thinking of new things to say, so I don't want to speak vacuously. What is that? What? What? None of this is going to make it into the podcast, right? Yeah. yeah when's our first one, right? topic? It's starting now. <laughs> I think we went off the deep end about uh, oh, 65 minutes ago. Nice. <laughs>